Welcome to episode 44 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome to episode 44. Yeah, 44. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you wondering what happened around 44-ish years ago? Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just sprung this on Gabe, okay? I informed him that if we called this 43, that it would put our episode number out of sync with our episode number. Right. So even though last week's was 42 and a half, it was technically our 43rd episode. So this is our 44th episode. Right. However, <laughs> I sense that Gabe might have some information on things that happened 43 years ago? Oh my goodness. I can't believe you brought that up. That's amazing. <laughs> we are so on the same wavelength. I just want to tell you. So, so that's great. This might be 43 years ago, or you could say it's 44 ish years ago. You know, some people, <laughs> some people do that as well. And, and that kind of happens. But oh, great. let's just say in 1979, some things happen. And one of them is going to be near and dear to your heart. Oh. Ready? Oh, am I excited? You're okay, ready? yes. Here it comes. Yes. I made out with a girl at Blue Star Summer Camp in Hendersonville, North Carolina. <laughs> That's exactly it. Okay. That's exactly what it. What was it? That's in what it was. In 1979, the Pentax 110SLR came out. <gasps> Yes! I see. I yes. knew you'd be excited about that. Oh, that's exciting. I do. And the, that is exciting. And they were really, also, they were pushing the Polaroid one-step a lot. Ooh. And yeah. to the point of that if you bought a one-step, you would get a pack of film and bulbs for free. That's fantastic. Isn't that cool? I love the one-step. I had one for a while. I sold it. I had the Dark Side of the Moon edition. Oh, and wow. I passed that's it really on. cool. I passed it on because it's like I wasn't using it. And even though it was a camera I'd had since probably 1979, I put it back into the bloodstream. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Now, there's one camera that came out in 79 that I'm a little, uh, I don't know how to be nice about it, but I'll yes. try to be. The Nikon okay. EM. Have we ever talked about the EM? Did we no, cover that during really. our Nikon show? You know, I briefly owned an EM. Well, mm-hmm. tell me your thoughts. Tell me your thoughts. It let's put it this way: it doesn't feel as starka as the yeah. others. How about that? Yes. The Nikon EM. Do you know what Nikon's promotional thrust for the EM was? Not at all. Tell if me. You'll excuse the expression. <laughs> they promoted it as a camera for women. No. Yes, the Nikon EM was their camera for women. No crazy buttons or dials (gasps) to set because that might overwhelm the pea-sized female brain. That is really (gasps) how they pitched it. And it's small, so it could fit in your purse. I mean, anyway, the idea was- 79, isn't that nuts? Yes, 79, the camera for women. Look it up, folks. Crazy. Now- I found an EM at a Goodwill in Tarzana, California for something like $15, and it came with the Series E lens. Right. The Series E lenses, of course, were the inexpensive lenses that Nikon launched, I believe, concurrently with the EM. They are excellent lenses. The Series E 50mm is a pancake. Oh, and I didn't rather know that. a good one. Wow. So I was like, why not? $15. Right. It was not fun to shoot with. Okay, now maybe because I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, but, that must uh, be it. 
I just didn't love it. I didn't love it. I thought it would be like a nice point and shooty experience like the Nikon FM10 or right. the Canon T70, but I just didn't enjoy it that much. And once again, put it back into the bloodstream. It worked just fine. Right. But I think it has two settings, automatic and then manual 90th of a second. And that's that's your two choices. Wow. Everything else is focus, point, and shoot. That's how retro we were back in 1979. That's crazy. Well, that's excellent. I'm well, glad wait, wait, that wait, you wait, gave one more this, thing. One more yes. thing. Yes. This isn't so camera related, but there was a character in this movie that had a lot of cameras around his neck. What movie am I talking about? Spider-Man. No, Apocalypse Now. Yes. Yes. Apocalypse Now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Uh, the iconic photo of Dennis Hopper oh. with Nikon Fs and F2s, I believe, also around so his neck. Cool. There you go. The plain prism Nikon F to me is inextricably linked with Dennis Hopper. Of course, that was his favorite camera to shoot with in real life. Hopper was quite an accomplished photographer right. himself. But yes, 79 Apocalypse Now. I saw Apocalypse Now in a theater that year, later, after making out with the girl at the Jewish <laughs> summer camp, okay? And yes. I saw it in the theater where they gave you the program. Oh, like yeah. There were no credits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you do that too? Yeah, Did that you was see it the too? coolest thing ever. Unbelievably yep. exciting. It knocked me out. Yeah. Absolutely one of the peak Amazing. cinema experiences I've Although ever Although we had. were that's nine great. or four when we saw it. Yes, Actually, that's four true. years old. Yeah, okay, yes, great. Yes, yeah. we were children, yeah. and it was way too explicit for right. us, but whatever. Right. Excellent. Thank you for giving us all those insights <laughs> into the world 43 years ago. Excuse me. Episode, Excuse me. What? 44-ish years ago. 44-ish years you. ago. Thank you. For episode 44. Yes, here we are. Gabe, as you know, yes. we took a brief break. This episode is a few minutes late. We put in a stopgap episode. Would you be surprised to learn that as a result, we have a prodigious mailbag? Fantastic. Yes. And you know what happens when the mailbag gets too prodigious. What do oh, we do? Oh, yes. We do the one-line response game. Yeah, and I don't know how our listeners feel about this, but <laughs> this is what we have to do. We have 21 emails in wow. our prodigious mailbag, and so I'm going to choose one sentence from each while acknowledging the sender. By the way, lots of multiple emails from the same dudes in this prodigious mailbag. Right. So maybe I said more idiotic things than usual. I don't know what. But anyway, our first email comes from... James Akoya Corin of Long Beach, California. Here I is love the Long one Beach, California. Yes, Long Beach. Your hometown, man. My, my sword Here my we go. Yeah. Here is the one sentence I am choosing. The Minolta TC1 died a horrible, inexplicable, and according to KEH, unrepairable death on that trip. So the only photos I have, including the attached, came from my dependable mechanical, will still work in 50 years, Minolta SRT. How about that? Wow. How do you feel, given that you were courting the Minolta TC1 in our last episode? How do you feel about James just stomping <laughs> his boot upon its neck? I got to tell you, James may be right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got to tell you that we've sort of mentioned this SRT here and there, you know what yes. I mean? As, yeah. as a really good pickup. Yes, it is. And I think it really is. I think it's it one is. of those cameras that... You know, it's way under the radar. And yes, I think uh, for sure. it's a great camera to shoot with. So 
Uh, mm. Yeah, when I would break choose down, an SRT over a TC1 yeah, anytime. Definitely. I just feel like your I think chances. You're right. Yeah. All right, on we go. This is from Raymar Junkersdorf from Western Australia. I think I said it right. You did well. I'm not going to do an Australian accent. I don't. That's one I don't do. <laughs> I am going to choose one sentence from this. He okay. is talking about film cassettes. He says the only long-term solution are the brass ones for Leica. Ixmu and Filka, Nikon F, easy to find, Nikon F2, impossible to find, and the ones for Canon screw mount bodies. Do you know what he is referring to? Yes. Here's the deal. I think they're beautiful, those Leica cassettes. Yes. They're expensive. So if you want to do one at a time... Yes. I understand that. But it's, you know, we're when we're bulk loading, we're not bulk loading one at a time. We have to do a bunch of them. So to get 18 of those yes. is a fortune. Now, when I was going through my period of trying to find really suitable cassettes, I did right. purchase one of these high-end cassettes. And guys, I want you all to look this up because so this is cool. a really amazing little machine. The one I got is called a Shirley Wellard. Have you ever heard of this? No. It's made in England. It is a brass cassette, very interesting mechanicals. It can be fine-tuned to work with a variety of 35-millimeter cameras. Right. The idea is that, have you used one of these guys? No. When you load it, you push down on the rewind knob, turn the rewind knob, and that pressure activates a spring that opens the cassette. Oh, wow. Okay? Then you shoot, 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 shoot. Then when you're done, you rewind, and then you push down and turn in the opposite direction to close the cassette. It's very ingenious. And I would imagine if you are loading your developing tank in a changing bag, that's a very good way to do it. Right. I'm not. And my bulk loader doesn't work with this thing either. So oh, I, you I didn't know, know that. The bulk loader, I don't believe, the one that I have, uh, I don't believe it's capable of opening or closing the cassette in the way that it would need to. Similarly, my lab box can't open and close that cassette. So I have this beautiful artifact, but I have yet to actually use it. And this is the same principle as these Leica cassettes. And how much was that one? Uh, It was about 40 bucks. Okay, so what's 40 times 18? Oh, yeah, I know. It's insane. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah, no. Now, you know, I have been on a ride with my film cassettes. I'm not going to oh, yeah. go into detail about the ride. It's very but sensitive. suffice it to say, I was having a persistent light leak problem, which I was blaming on my recycled cassettes. But it turned out that it, I had fogged the film in the bulk loader. Guys, I'm not perfect. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not perfect. That, okay. I will not believe that, just so you know. Yes. You can say it over and over again. I will not believe it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I know. Try, guys, come to terms with it. Next email comes from Tom Northenskold. He sent us two emails. I'm going to read one sentence from each. Okay. He says, For a podcast that regularly courts controversy, I'm surprised you've not discussed your favorite focusing aid on manual focus SLRs. My favorite is the micro prism ring, hands down. How do you feel about this? Wow, the micro prism ring. I got to tell you, I barely notice it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I barely notice it. I'm looking at the split image, baby. Oh, that's true. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not looking at the shiny little (laughs) ring around it. That's beautiful, though. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
But he says that's his jam. On we go. It's yes. very interesting, Tom. Yes. Okay, well, let's put it to the teeming masses. Yes. What is your favorite? This is really deep in the weeds. <laughs> what is your favorite focusing aid? There we go. Nice. On we go. He also says, in a subsequent email about bulk loading, he says, I use the freestyle metal snap lid cassettes that you can't get anymore. Man, what? what? Those All have right. got to be found somewhere. Because I think I, I bought know. those originally. I think I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm back to my recycled cassettes from the local one-hour lab. Right. On we go. Bruce Horn says, regarding Kodak filmmaking machines, he says, when the digital revolution happened, Kodak went from producing many millions of feet of film to a small fraction of that in a very short time and had not planned for that so that they could reduce staffing and machine costs gradually. He goes on to question whether they could restart that process. What right. do you think? Oh, that would be the best thing. See, in my mind, as I've talked to you before about this, you know, all cameras and things like that, there's a giant basement like Raiders of the Lost Ark at the end of the movie. And there are cameras. <laughs> there's hundreds and thousands of FM3As. There's hundreds of cameras. Yes. There are all these film cameras, you know. And I feel it's the same about the at Kodak. They have this giant basement and all these machines are there. And someone just goes and blows the dust off them. Yes. And and just presses, you know, that big old fashioned lever that they go. Yes. And then. Everything yeah. And comes out to comes life. Panatomic X. Yes. Yes. And everything really comes to life. I believe. That's what I want. I, this is my 2023 wish. Yeah. Panatomic X comes back. I don't think it's that hard. I really don't think it's that hard. Yeah, bringing back Kodachrome, that's a huge problem. Panatomic X, it's a fine grain film stock. Come on, guys. They're probably still making it for commercial applications. Do you think, and saying. I don't mean to um, give any secrets away of what we might do, <laughs> but do you think we could, um, I don't know, dress up undercover and go to Kodak? Mm. And, you know, because we're so recognizable now. Um, no, we're famous. But, but if it's a we, problem. If, if we went to Kodak and we just put on hats... And a mustache. No, you know what we we'll get do? In? I mean, I happen, I have one of those Ethan Hunt rubber masks from oh, Mission Impossible that perfect. makes me look like John Voight. That's awesome. So if John Voight shows up at Kodak and says, hey, where's the Panatomic? I mean, oh, they're, they're going to take us in. right there. Totally. Uh, guys, this is going to happen. We'll cover this in yep. a subsequent yep. episode. Fantastic. Yep. Alan Perez writes, regarding episode 42, he says... <laughs> Now that you have added background music to letters in the mailbag, you know, I realized something, Gabe. You know, we had that lovely email so from Tim Floyd where he recapped his review that he posted on iTunes. By yeah. the way, guys, do us a solid. Don't praise us in an email. Oh, praise please, us on iTunes. Please do that on iTunes. It makes such a yeah. difference. It really helps. Yeah, and Apple I, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I realized not only did I read praise, but I scored it. anyway he says now that you have added background music to letters in the mailbag are we prodigious fillers of said overflowing mailbag now competing for who gets music and who gets the best music no No. 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 (laughs) we're not doing that we're not doing that that was an exceptional thing I, I like I said I don't like to read praise on the show we appreciate all the love but I I'm going to say how I... Okay, Gabe will tell me to cut this later. I got into a bit of a set-to with Mr. Ryan Murphy on Twitter. And when I say a set-to, it's I posted a snarky remark about how his Twitter account only retweets praise, and then he blocked me. There you that go. was the set-to. But 
I really came away from that experience going, you should not be retweeting praise about yourself. Like, take it on board, experience it, and then move forward. Think, right. I'm doing a good job. I'm Ryan Murphy. I'm good at my job. Gabe is going to make me cut that. Okay, <laughs> on we go. Bruce Horn says, regarding should modern companies make film cameras, he says, Modern companies should make film cameras, but nothing with lots of integrated electronics and nothing very tiny. <laughs> totally agree. What do you think? I totally, I totally agree. agree. That's absolutely the smartest thing. Get out there. Get those mechanical cameras. Good. Look, I have nothing against these tiny cameras that we're all seeing with nice colors that are 35-millimeter yes. cameras that are almost you know, the disposable kind, but they aren't. They're, yes. <laughs> you know, a harder plastic. But there has to be more to it. There has to be that camera that goes up there that's 150 bucks. Like, this is my dream. 100, 150 bucks. There's your mechanical SLR, and everyone should be shooting it with. And possibility for great lenses. You know, have yeah. that mount that you can get all different kinds of lenses. Be so much fun. Yeah, I mean, that's what they were trying to do with the reflex I know. a couple of years back, yep. you know, but they, there were too many bells and whistles. I, no bells and yeah. whistles. I don't want bells and whistles. I just, I, we said this in a previous episode, I don't know how you beat an old Nikon F, but yep. I would like to see somebody try. On we go. Larry yes. Effler said, Larry Effler described, I'm going to digest this. He did meet an actual college student, a la Tessa, a 22-year-old college student, wow. who wants film cameras. Isn't that interesting? So good. So he told a great story, which we really appreciate, and... He, I'm just going to say, he donated his Minolta Maxim 5 with a 28 to 80 millimeter so kit lens nice. so to this nice. Tessa girl that he met who attends the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. So Isn't nice. Isn't that great? That's so Larry, great. you're a good guy. Yep. Guys, take this to heart. Yep. I am going to talk about this in a subsequent episode about how I am talking about releasing a lot of cameras. Oh, boy. Because I keep thinking about these needy students that want to be out there shooting. Okay, on we go. Kent Roberts, in regards to our <laughs> complaint about people hassling you for permits when you're out with a film camera, he said, not all film permits are bad. Did you know there is a cheap film permit that gives you an entire national park all to yourself? Did you know this? No. So there is he, is he's permit. talking about there's a pass that, yes. that is good for all national parks? No, he's saying, for example, he says White Sands National Park in New Mexico has a fantastic early entry, stay late film permit program. Oh, that's great. So it's specifically for photographers. Very interesting. And he included a couple of pictures from his trip to this park, which are stunning. Oh, yeah. It's so beautiful. thank you for that, Kent. I know that. He part. also recommended, by the way, apropos of my hack for yes. how to find out the start date. For an eBay auction, right? He mentioned WatchCount.com, oh, wow. which will tell you a lot of information about an auction. It weirdly is just as finicky as the Reddit hack that yeah. I posted, but it's worth checking out. On we go. Yes, Rolf Tessum. Okay, we, we got Rolf. a number of emails about the new M6. Okay, so I am going to just say <laughs> thank you, Rolf, for writing about the M6 twice. And I think there's going to be other ones, too. Let's talk about the new M6 for a beat. Okay. Wait, can we start with one other thing? Hold on. Yes. On the same subject. Yes. Aren't you supposed to, like, release a rumor, percolate yes. it for a while, and then the camera comes out? This is like yes. a rumor and the camera came out. 
There was yeah. nothing to it. It was like, wait a Not minute. Not much of a drum roll. And as no. a matter of fact, the rumor said yeah. they're going to come out with an M6 and there's only going to be 500 of them. Yeah. <gasps> ah! yeah. And then there aren't. Yeah. It's an unlimited edition. It, do, you, that's do you know what else the there one, aren't? What? The M6 at the stores. <laughs> no, they're not in stores yet. <laughs> I'd like to see I'm it. I'm going to briefly describe, since we're on this subject, yes. let's talk about the M6. It's not a limited edition. No. Here are the primary differences between this. Now, remember, this is the OG yes. M6. This is not the TTL. Yes. However, they have taken the following innovations and rolled them into this new M6 2022 edition. Here they are. There is a center dot between the two LED arrows in the viewfinder. Okay? Yep. As you recall, the original M6, both arrows went dark when you had proper exposure. No, they were both solid. They were both solid. Oh, they were both, both on. solid. Both solid. Yeah, yeah. Correction. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. There's no center dot. Right. Okay? Both, it used to be the, I'm not going to repeat myself. <laughs> <laughs> we get it. Come on. We, we know. We know. There are no plastic shields under the strap lugs. What are you saying, Jeff? <laughs> Gabe, did you have any sort of... Uh... What are you talking about? Yes, my I... plastic shield on my TTL is missing, and I had no idea until I was going to trade that camera. And then and? Brandon, you know, yes. Stedman, he says to me, he says to me, hey, you got two holes in the side of your camera. Yeah. And uh, the truth is they're not. It's actually that piece broke off, and they're they're filled in, so there's no worry there, but... I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to yeah. look all over, see where it is. Can they be replaced easily? No. I talked to Leica and they're like, well. Oh, no. Yeah, they said, oh. yeah, well, we, we have them somewhere. It was that kind of, I'm yeah. sure Leica could do it. Well, apparently the paint, and yeah. it only comes in black, guys. Yes. Only comes in black. So I'm not interested. That's okay. right. <laughs> You're very only sensitive Only comes in black. This. Yeah. Only comes in black, but apparently this paint is hardier than the old black chrome. Mm. So they don't need those shields under the strap lugs. Interesting. Okay. Finally, the red dot on the front says lights, not Leica. To me, that is a downgrade. <laughs> wow. Look at you. What do you, think? what do you think? It doesn't bother me so much, but uh, is, it, <laughs> is it, let me ask you this. Is it, um, hmm, how noticeable is it? Do you think? I mean, well, for you, how noticeable for me? <laughs> there's nothing I don't notice. <laughs> so, you yep. know, uh, you have a point there. You, by the way, and also, it only comes with the .72 finder. You can't get the other two finder options. Right. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Most people only want the .72. Here is the most notable feature of all. Mm-hmm. $5,700. Oi. That's a lot of Who money. Who is the market for this camera? Right. Interesting. Hmm. I don't and also, know. And an- we have to figure out, and I don't, you know, we can find this out. We, we should find out how the pre-orders are and how it's selling. We can find that out. I know we can. Yeah. We have people. Well, okay. So we're going to move on. As I said, a number of people wrote about this, but the M6, big news. We want to hear your guys' thoughts about this. I right. got to tell you, I'm, you know... I'm not trading in my TTL for this thing. No. That's a lateral move. Right. To me. Plus, I can't get it in Chrome. Okay. (laughs) On we go. This is going to be difficult to digest. This comes from a new emailer, (laughs) George Heritonitis. 
from Melbourne, Australia. Oh, boy. It was almost there. Yes. <laughs> it was almost there. Yeah. So he's... Okay, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to read one sentence from this. He says, Fast forward to the present, and I have also acquired a 1951 Franca Bonafix 120 format fold-out camera oh bought for $40 from a car boot sale, Goodness. a 1963 Practica Nova B, and a beautiful Olympus OM2 in silver. Okay, so he's talking about his burgeoning camera collection, right. which started with some Nikons. Now he has a lot. We, <laughs> he did say, he did close out by saying, I look forward to your pronunciation of my name. George, <laughs> listen, this is a great email. Thank you. You happen to catch us on a week where we're moving at speed, but thanks for writing in. I hope I did well. So cool. On we go. <laughs> yes. Martin McPherson! Oh, no. Now... Here's the funniest thing. Okay, he does, he talks about the new Leica. He talks about wanting to have Ben Frontenale on the show. He talks about a couple other things. This is the one sentence I'm going to read. Oh, here we go. As you, are you ready? Yeah. As you may have surmised from my story in the last email, I am indeed a native Clevelander. No. What? No. What? (laughs) What? understand what he's saying that's not possible that's so funny he's he's clearly from scotland <laughs> in your mind I right i don't don't understand <laughs> that's really funny. anyway this is a wonderful email and then he sent us a second email ranting further about the new m6 and its price anyway oh, martin yeah. thank you for thank you for writing speaking of uh friends of ours from her majesty's his majesty's damn that's right his Majesty. Speaking of our emails from His Majesty's United Kingdom, Brian McDonald. Oh no! <laughs> yes. Okay. He he actually is writing from Ireland, and his email is about how jealous he is that we have brick and mortar camera stores like B and H, K E H. LA Film Camera, to look at, discuss, and buy secondhand film cameras. Here's the sentence I'm going to read. In Ireland, there are no longer any camera shops that sell secondhand analog gear. You're kidding. How about that? That is crazy. You know, Owen Mackin, my dear friend, um, who's from Ireland... He's told me before that they're harder to find there. And he's also shooting a show in Australia right now where he said they're also hard to find there. But yeah, I didn't know there were no shops. That's crazy. We are spoiled. Yeah. I mean, I went back to KEH on my latest trip to Atlanta. And I mean, it is a wonderland. Yeah. Uh, and, and we do have access to, I mean, in LA, we have three or four shops now that are selling film cameras. Yeah. And... You know, I mean, in addition to like the biggies, like Sammy's and so forth, we have East LA Film Shop and LA Film Camera and Relics and all these little shops springing up, which is wonderful. So yeah, we do not take it for granted. We really don't. Okay. Roberto Martinez writes. Yes. That's a a new one. We haven't heard that in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, with all the talk recently of found film, I am wondering if any of you have dealt with lost film. And he tells a story about putting down a newly shot film cassette, and <laughs> it disappeared. Oh, Have you ever had that worst. happen to you? Yes. You shot a roll of film and oh, lost it? What happened? 
I thought I put it in my bag and I was shooting, you know, portraits probably way up in Malibu somewhere and on and on. And I put it on a rock. Oh, no. And so... And walked away. No, I put it on a rock thinking I was going to put it in the bag and the bag was right next to the rock. (laughs) But I was in a rush to change. And then I went back and I took my bag and went, oh, I can't wait to see these pictures and went in my bag and there were five rolls instead of six rolls. Oh, no. And I went, oh, boy. And it's always that roll where someone goes, hey, could I see the pictures of the big, you know, yes, the ones that we took on that special rock that yes. was uh, at the sunset and that were perfect? Oh. Yeah, no, I don't have that. That's the salt water by now. This has not happened to me. I have definitely ruined plenty of rolls, but I don't know that I've ever left one behind. But mm. yes, lost and found film. This is a great topic. Yeah. I mean, our friend Jerry, Deto Arts, who wrote in last time with right. her amazing email, told us that great story. Come at us, guys, with your stories of lost and found film. We very much enjoy it. Also, next email from Jim Melcher. He made a little YouTube video defending the honor of stainless steel developing reels. And he sent us the URL. We will link to this. Gabe, I hear that you are thinking of getting back into developing your own film. Will you be using stainless steel reels? Absolutely 100% not. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think that stainless steel reels are very cool. I have them. I have old tanks that look really cool. But you know what? Yes. I tried it once. And in that dark bag, it was like I was fumbling forever. And because I learned on the plastic reel where you just sort of feed it in and start cranking and there you go. That's the best part. Yeah. So I really, um, I'm really not crazy about those reels. Although today, as as you said, I did stop by Freestyle Photo in Los Angeles, who are the most helpful people ever. Oh, love And them. I bought a ton of chemicals, you know, because mine are very old and very excited to get back into it. Okay, good. I'm excited to hear all about that. Thanks for writing, Jim. Gabe, will you look at Jim's video? Yes, and see of course. If it maybe changes your sure, tune? Okay. I'd be very all excited because right. I'd feel like a grown up if I use those reels. So yes, yes. Okay. Our next email comes from boy. I'm really giving the accents a workout. Nico Girlando. There you Italiano, go. Italiano, Nico Girlando. <laughs> One sentence. Let's see. He says. As I try to force the cupboard door shut on my camera collection, oh, that's so I wonder funny. whether I should trim my collection a little. I wonder, should I just get rid of the lot and only have one or two? Well, as I said, guys, in a future episode, I am going to confront the same question because I am really taking a hard look at winnowing it way, way down. So, Nico, bear with us, and we will talk about that process in our next episode. We'll suffer, okay. we'll suffer through it with you. Yes. <laughs> That's how I'll say okay. it. <laughs> so our next email comes from my favorite Thomas Pinchon character, Laz Canny. Nice. <laughs> I mean, that is... <laughs> All right. Anyway, okay. So he says, I'm going to read one. He says, my most interesting serial number I have is for my Leica M7. It's 277XXXX. 
which puts its production in fall of 2001 before its official release in 2002, which means mine is one of the first 5,000 off the line. Wow, that's really interesting. That is really cool. Yep. Really cool. That is really cool. I love that. I think I mentioned that my M6 TTL is one of the last right. made. Uh, which I think is a little cooler than having one of the earliest, but whatever. Anyway, that's excellent. Thanks for writing, Les. And finally, what? Robert Coates writes, he is on Instagram and Granary as Flash underscore of underscore grain. He's asking, so one camera I am really considering, and I'm fairly sure Jeff has owned one, is the Olympus Pen EF. I'm hoping for Jeff's opinion on this half a cookie camera. About that, please explain. I I literally you know throw the it back F? to you. I do not know that camera. Okay, you know how I love my oh, Pen E3. Yes. yes. Imagine if that camera had a built-in pop-up flash. Oh no, that's cool. That would be cool, wouldn't it? That would it? be cool. As a matter of fact, this is. I mean, we know Andy Warhol loved cameras. He had a huge camera collection. Right. This was one of Andy Warhol's favorite cameras. I had one. Comes only in black is very convenient having that onboard flash. There's a little switch you push, and the flash pops up and begins to charge. What do you think is the most breakable component in that camera? (laughs) The flash that pops up and begins to charge. Now, mine broke once. I had it fixed. I used it. I used it. It's a little larger than the Pen EE3, and I found I just wasn't taking it out as much. So listen, the Pen EF is nice, but just know it breaks far more easily than the other Pen cameras. That is what I would suggest. Okay, you know what we've done? What have we done? We have emptied our spectacular mailbag. Well done. Guys, thanks for writing. Thank so you for good. bearing with us when we have to do these occasional speed throughs. As always, you can find us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. On we go. Gabe, tell us about your Leica adventure. I, I know very little about this. Okay. Tell us about what you so were So here's what Leica did. So Leica had this thing for the resurgence of, you know, the growing analog photography phenomenon. They partnered with Ilford and they distributed 100 free rolls of 35 millimeter film at each Leica store in the U.S. Okay. Okay. And Got it. so what happens called Film is Not Dead, Leica is giving away free film and a photo assignment. Okay. okay. So what happens is they have to complete an assignment documenting their city, bearing witness to the authentic grace, joy, little sins, and tenderness. Okay. Wait. Of your city. Yeah. Well, well, yes. I, I Okay. I will tell okay. you how I failed at that, but I will tell you what happened. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so it, it, you, that's what you're supposed to do. Once the assignment's complete, okay, you return your film to their local Leica store by today, which I did. And yeah. they have it developed by an independent photo lab that may rhyme with the bark whom. <laughs> anyway... Um, anyway, <laughs> the dark room and they, yeah. uh, with developed prints being distributed, participating photographers at each store on November 17th. Wow. So there's going to be a little event on the 17th and I think everyone gets together and I have no idea, um, what happens, but it seems very exciting. And so I, I went all over and shot pictures that I thought represented 
Grace, Joy, Littlesons, and Tenderness. Around Los Angeles. Around Los Angeles. I went to I went to Venice. I went to the Venice Skate Park. Uh, I went to Santa Monica Pier. I went to Hollywood Boulevard. I went to Beverly Hills. Wow. And I went to, I think that was it. Now you shot with your Leica, obviously. I shot with my M6. Yes. And the TTL. Because yeah. I had film in the other one. And, you know, used, right. used the free roll that I got, which was very exciting. But I thought this was so fun. What you a know, I think thing. I think it's a really fun thing to do on a regular basis. You know, maybe that's something beers and cameras can do or any of yeah. these meetups is, is have an assignment. It can be one theme or whatever and go shoot that assignment. I think it's a great thing and getting together and exchange the pictures. And yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. Well, let me dig in on this for a bit. Mm -hmm. So was this street photography? Would you categorize what you were doing as street photography? Like, were you photographing people? I was definitely photographing people and things. There you go. People most, and things. Mostly people, yeah. And did this force you as a photographer to shoot subjects and interact with people in a way that you don't ordinarily? Yes, but it, here's what it really did. It forced me because it says every frame. Mm. So in other words, instead of what I usually do is shoot three or four shots per person. Yeah. I had to limit myself. I mean, of course, there were a couple that I shot too, you know, definitely at the skate park. But I just, I sort of, you know, that was tough. Like I really had to focus on what the subject matter was and it changed my style of shooting, which I loved. I thought it was really fun and a great experiment. That's fantastic. Well, we will follow up yeah. when you get some of these pictures Be back. Very That's fun. very exciting. What a great thing. So much fun. You know, we could do self-assignments like this. We, we have could. to do it. Yep. We could do that. Uh, I Dream of Cameras could even do that. That's right. Uh, it's something that Sunny 16 has done in the past with great success. And I just think it's interesting because I tend to go out and shoot whatever the hell I'm shooting. Right. I don't really go out with a motivation i go to right. shoot a particular place but of i don't course. really think in terms of those themes that they saddled you with it's so very cool that is pretty cool i'm very excited to see what comes back from that you know gabe typically when we do one of our inquiries into a particular camera make yes. i would trumpet that at the top of the show but i forgot to do that <laughs> that's fine it's okay <laughs> okay we have not done one of these in a while, and no. I am very excited to dive in. In the remainder of the show, we are going to dig into a brand that we haven't really touched on all that much. No. Roli. Roloflex? Well, hmm. Sounds familiar. Yes. Roli. Yes. Franca and Heidecke. Oh, yes. Of Germany. Where are they from? Stuttgart, I believe? Right. <laughs> and then I have a question for you, but yes, go on. We're going to talk about our experiences with Roli cameras. Yes. And I'm going to let Gabe Sachs start with this because the Roli TLR is a key part of your arsenal. I have one. I don't use it all that much. So I throw it to you. Talk about, I know you have dozens of these. Let's hear well, about No, it. no. I'll give you exactly what I have. I have nine of them. I used to have 10 of them. Ooh. Wow. But uh, I traded Trev Lee for the Leica M5. And he is doing amazing things with it. So it's very exciting for that trade. I was very excited about that. Also, so here's what I have. I'm just going to list what I have. There's tons of history, you know, besides the Roloflex books and the Roli books online about the history of it. But I'll tell you sort of my experiences. So here's what I have. I have a 1938 Rolacord 2B. 
Okay, with a Zeiss 3.5 lens. Let me freeze you right there. Yes. What are the differences between the Roloflex and the Rolacord? Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. It's it's totally fine. The Rolacord was sort of um, a less expensive model. You know, this is not in every case, but... This is sort of the the thinking because if you go through the history and you go through the Rolleiflex, some of them just say the standard and they go to the Rolleiflex and there's no mention of the Rolleiflex. Like yes. this really, you know, it's a very, very, it was a simpler, less expensive version of the high-end Rolleiflex. And it okay. was aimed mostly at the amateur photographer who wanted a high quality camera, but couldn't afford the expensive Rolleiflex. But the truth is they're great as well. You know, it's a different yeah. operation, but they're great. So that pretty much sums it up. So now that difference in price back then is that reflected in today's valuations? Yes, like, definitely. If I go to eBay and I want to roll a TLR and I look for a roller cord, it'll be less expensive yes. than a roller. Yeah, mostly okay. less expensive. Okay. Um, and they're also different operations. I have a 1939 roller cord 2C. Okay. Okay. With his Zeiss Jenna Triatar lens. Okay. And now, that's labeled, my understanding is yeah, yeah that's go, a cheaper lens, right? Right. right. But it's labeled Frankie and Heideke Braunschweig. Oh, all right. So I'm wrong about Stuttgart. I just okay. named some random German city. Braunschweig. 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 And then, so those are only those two. Then when it gets to 1945, this is my Phil Stern Rolleiflex. So oh, yes. this is his camera. This is the one Matthew John Gonzalez, dear friend, uh, who curated the collection and curated you know, Phil's pictures and... Uh, has been a big help to us on our show. I can go on. He's an amazing vet, and he was uh, a ranger in the army. I can go on and on. Anyway, yeah. So I got this camera through him, and it's I shot with it. It's spectacular. It's you know the lens is foggy and on and on, but it just to shoot with something that he used was very very exciting to me. Can and, you just illuminate a little of who Phil Stern was for people who just hear that name? Maybe don't Phil, know exactly I'll just who he say was. one shot that he did, and that's all yes, I have to say. Yes, go for it. Go Phil for it. Stern, in my mind, his most famous picture is the James Dean with the sweater. Oh, sure. Right, so the sweater pulled up, you know, that's yeah. it. And various Marilyn Monroes, and I, I can yes. go on and on and on. But he was an amazing photographer and also an amazing war photographer. Life and Magazine? Am I right about that? He's done everything, but you should look him up or get his books because they're spectacular. And wow. and he just and also you know amazing you know there's a picture that I love that I have which is John F Kennedy and Frank Sinatra, and oh, he wow. shot it of the two of them and they're smoking, and it's just through the smoke. Yeah. So it's really it's just just amazing, and it was so nice to get to know him towards the end of his life and uh, hear from wow. him. And it was very cool. So that is one, that is sort of a prized possession that I can never be done with. The next one I have is 1954 Rolacord 5, which is a Schneider Kuznach Zenar yes. 3.5 yes. lens. And uh, that's a good lens. Like I, I really yeah, like Zenars that. are nice. And then we get into the Rolaflex camera. So I have a 1958 <laughs> Rolaflex 3.5 C Planar. Now, the Planar is the one that is, it's one of those things. We've talked about cameras before where there's a certain name or a certain lens or a certain something where people are locked in and it raises the value. And 
And that's the case with the planner lens. I mean, that's yes. one of those things that you, as soon as you say that, everyone wants that lens. And I have to tell you, okay, so that's a 1958. I have also have a 1958 Roloflex 3.5 F, okay. um, also with a planner. I love this camera. I love this camera. This camera I traded for a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And it was fantastic. I, I just, I got it probably 10 years ago. And I use that and my next camera the most, which is a 1959 Rolex 2.82. I post about this. I post pictures about this all the time. And this has the Schneider Kruznak Zenitar, and that's a 2.8. So that's the Rolex 2.82. Okay. And the Rolex 3.5F are my most used. Those are them. Okay, let me take a beat here yep. and just say, okay, I have a 3.5E, and here is what I know about Rolex cameras. Yes. Okay. I believe, I don't know about an A and a B, but C, D, E, F, that is the sequence. And then they're much, much later, they came out with the G series. But right. 2.8, 3.5, that literally tells you which how fast the lens is yes. on the camera. So a 2.8C is an older camera than a 2.8E or F. Right. There are various refinements. They added onboard metering, things like that that are eventually added. But the apex is the 2.8F and the 3.5F. So I'm not surprised that those are ones that you 100%. favor. Yep. Okay. And then and then the last two are Rolofix. It's a 1959 3.5C. Mm. And then my latest camera, my newest camera, is a 1960 2.8F. Oh, that must be amazing. Yeah. And so, you don't shoot with that one I, the most? No I, sh no, I don't shoot with that one the most. Wow. And I just love the 3.5F and 2.82 are the ones I shoot with the most, but I have to tell you, really honest, they all have different personalities in the best way possible. Tell, go into that for And I, I, I feel that, that this, I feel that we all know Harry Fleener, Oceanside Camera, and he has this beautiful picture up. I haven't been to his place in years, but, you know, where it's almost what they're picking the hand, you know, by hand, they're picking the lens and the glass and putting it in. And it's it's the coolest thing ever. And I think because of that in the 50s, glass wasn't perfect. You know, each of them, yes, is the same formula, but I have to believe that it wasn't exactly perfect. Like each, right. each one honestly gives, in my opinion, a different feel. The 3.5F, the 2.8, besides the lens difference, besides the speed difference, they just have a different feel to them. You know, now, some are sharper than others. Feel yeah, when you say feel, are you talking about the character of the image or the handling of the camera, or both? Both. The character wow. of the image, definitely. Wow. And I think how they handle... Well, first of all, the Roloflex and Rollercords handle completely different. Hmm. The Roloflex has that dial that you're changing the you know, f-stop and your speed, so it's on either side. It's a little more convenient. And there's yeah. different dials on the, uh, the Rollercords. It's sort of a, okay. it's a it's a different feel. But yeah. I have to tell you, all these old cameras, you know, even with scratched lenses and things like that, you'll get beautiful images. You'll get images that are very unique. So I'm always I just I love the feel of them. I I I love how you and I really think this goes back to when I was a kid because I believe my dad had one of these and my brother had one of these. I wasn't sure of the make, but I'm sure it was a prior Roloflex. But I remember looking down into it, and that was magical to me. I was seeing things backwards. I was looking down into that ground glass, 
and it was magical. I mean, it was very Fred different Corey than holding a camera. Fred said the same thing. Yeah, yep. so Fred cool. said that about using a TLR for the first time. Seeing that image on the big ground glass yeah. of a Rolleiflex TLR is like looking into a little imaginary world. Yeah. It does not look like a projected image. It looks like little guys are walking around inside your camera. Yeah. It's so cool. So I love now, it. Now, I'm curious. So there are, uh, uh, you said you have nine of these now, right? Yes. And yet, and the two that you have zeroed in on that are your favorites are kind of in the middle of the camera's development, which I think is really right. interesting. Right. I was looking around to make sure there wasn't another one. Hiding. Yes. Yes. And I'm also interested in the fact that these are cameras, like I would say other than the Leica M6, this is your most used camera for love portraits, yep. models. You reach for this probably as much as any it. other camera in your yep. collection. Yep. I love it. And... Is, let me ask you finally before we move on, because I just I love this topic, and I, as you know, I don't shoot with mine all that right. much. I, I when I do, I'm very happy with the result, but I just don't shoot with it as much. Can you talk about that? That like in addition to what you see when you look at the ground glass, your relationship to the subject when you're looking down and not directly at them. Like I how just does it feel it makes everyone more comfortable. Mm. It really does. I mean, I know a lot of street photographers who, if they use the Rolleiflex, they find that all the time because, first of all, when you hold your camera up, this happened today, you hold your camera up, people are aware you're pointing something at them. When you're looking down at a camera, you, it's much easier to get those shots without anyone mm. noticing because you're not looking at them. I mean, if they know it's a camera, maybe, but it's really, I love looking down and it just sort of, Makes me invisible for a bit. Wow. God, that's cool. You know, every time you talk about this, it makes me want to shoot with my I love I it. I just don't, and I really want to. My first SLR, by the way, was a Practica SLR that was, it was so a standard cool. 35 millimeter SLR form yep. factor. But you know what I'm going to say. It had yep. no penaprism. So I was looking down in a similar way. So and cool. I kind of miss it. Yeah. I kind of miss it. I have like the Nikon Sport Finder yeah. for the uh, F, but you're still looking at your subject. 100%. You know? 100%. I kind of want to get the Chimney Finder for the Pentax 6x7. I've never gotten around to finding one because right. they're kind of expensive, but that would give you the same thing of being able to look down into You can chamber. borrow mine. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love okay. it. It's beautiful, and I've used it on the camera you got me. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. All right. So quickly then to wrap this up, Reel off once again the list of Rolleiflexes that you have. I just want to hear it at, at high speed. Here we go. 1938 Rolecord 2B. 1939 Rolecord 2C. 1945 Rolleiflex Automat Model 2. 1954 Rolecord 5. 1958 Rolleiflex 3.5C, 1958 Rolleiflex 3.5F, 1959 Rolleiflex 2.82, Rolleiflex 1959 3.5C, and the 1960 2.8F. We are done. Wow. And the favorites are? Definitely my favorites are the Rolleiflex 3.5F and the 1959 Rolleiflex 2.82. Wow. Okay, gang, in our show notes, we will link to all these things. I know that's a lot of numbers and letters, but I love hearing <laughs> about this. It's a camera Gabe shoots that I don't shoot all I that love often. love it. Love it. Moving on now. Yes. I, <laughs> I have two roll eyes that I'm going to talk about. I love this. First, let's do this. Since Her Majesty the Queen recently passed, this is a camera that Her Majesty loved, the Rolly 35. Now, 
I remember cool seeing pictures of the Roly 35 when I was shopping for my very first camera, which was, a, I eventually landed on the Olympus 35RC, mm-hmm. but I read all of these camera reviews, and I remember seeing pictures of this thing. Wow. And they would talk about, it's so small, because it really is, guys. If you took two decks of cards and stacked them one on top of the other, that is the size of the Roly 35. It is not the smallest 35 millimeter camera ever made, but it's pretty darn close. It also has this retractable lens, which makes it fit in your pocket in a really cute way. But I remember seeing pictures of this and going, the hot shoes on the bottom, what? The winder <laughs> is on the left, what? I What, the two dials are here and here? There's no display in the fine, what? And there's no range finder? I don't need this thing. Yeah. And for years and years and years and years, I avoided this camera. I would see them at camera shows and just would not give them a second look. And then I got the Petri Color 35, which in a lot of ways is a Japanese cousin to the Roly 35. And I was really enjoying shooting it. And everyone would say, well, this is a lot like the Roly. And I eventually just got the bug and had to get one. Now mine is the Roly 35 SE. Guys, Categorically, this is the best one they ever made. I will tell you that the Roly 35s, there are a lot of, I'm not going to go into a lot of numbers and letters, okay? But there are two principal strains in the Roly 35 family. There are the S-series and the T-series. The T-series has a Tessar lens. The S-series has a Sonar lens. A lot of people think the Sonars are better. I am one of them, okay? You will find just as many partisans who say the Tessars. Either way. It's a 40 millimeter lens. Wow. You know what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, it's your favorite. 40, my favorite focal length. Also, with a lens like that, you can be a little sloppy with your focus. And if you're shooting fast film, no biggie. In addition, this control layout, which seems so non intuitive, is actually amazingly intuitive. You're looking in the finder, there's LEDs that go up and down. You spin this dial for shutter speed, you spin this for aperture, and kabam, when the green light comes on, you shoot. It is a great, great travel camera. This will literally fit in your jeans pocket. Right. And the results, guys, this lens is tasty. The one knock on this camera, and they were talking about this on Camerosity, the metal is very soft. Oh, <laughs> really? You can very easily dent the corners of these things. It is very rare to find a roll eye like mine with no dents. Hmm. I'm kind of afraid to use it because it's so beautiful. But anyway, there are many, 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 many cameras in the Roly 35 series. After it ended, they brought it back as the Roly 35 Classic. There are a zillion of them. But well worth investigating. I also want to point you to a book. This was a blog that I followed called the Roly 35 Project. Oh, that's cool. Look at that. This is a photographer named Zeno Felkel, F-E-L-K-L. And this is an entire book that he shot with the Roly 35. And it is great. It just gives you a feel for the kind of on-the-fly, like, Lomo-style photography you can do with this camera if you want, but it's also great portrait camera. I love it. Can you Moving tell on me, from wait, this. Can yes. you tell me the year of the camera that you just showed us? The Roly 35 SE would be 1980. Interesting. How amazing does that thing look? That's very cool. All right, so moving on. 
We're going to talk about a camera that I actually acquired during the life of this podcast. Oh, yes. The Roloflex SL350. Okay. We talked a little bit about this, but just to reprise where this camera came from. In the 1970s, Roloflex was feeling the lack of a 35mm SLR camera in their range, and they literally took the Pentax Spotmatic and said, we're going to make our own version of that. To look at this camera, look how much like a Spotmatic. I mean, the clean lines, yep. you know, uncluttered. They made the Roloflex SL35, which had amazing rolly glass, okay? The standard lens, you said planar, this is a planar. This 50 on this camera is probably, other than the one on the Alpa, my favorite 50 I've ever used. Oh, oh my God. The quality of the images is to die for. The thing is, though, the SL35 was a stopped-down metering camera at a time when every other maker was going to open aperture metering, so it was not a success. People did not enjoy it. Years later, and I will tell you the year, <laughs> they came out with the SL350, okay? It came out in, when did it come out? It's around 1975 or 76. They only made 8,000 of them. Oh my goodness. And you'll never find these in the US. Wow. Okay, so they're primarily in Europe and the meters tend to be a little wonky. I found this beautiful example with a working meter. It wasn't that expensive? Two or $300, pretty much what you'd pay for most SLRs. I love this camera. Open aperture metering, okay? And these incredibly luscious lenses. The Roloflex SL350, it is probably, okay, my all-time favorite SLR, wow. Alpha 11SI. Right. Second favorite, maybe the FM3A by Nikon, or maybe this. I love it. That's awesome. So, people know Roloflexes for the TLRs that Gabe talked about, but these are two great cameras from this manufacturer that are wonderful. This, by the way, is made in Germany. This is made in Singapore. There's a lot of snobbery about the Singapore cameras. Of course. I don't care. No. It's like the, the lights Canada. Like, do exactly. we care if your camera was made in Canada? Or I don't need it to be made in no. Wetzlar right. for it to be a Leica. Anyway, that's our survey of the Roli. I love that. We did a little Roli. Right, okay. okay, so listen. We haven't done one of these in a while. Who do you want us to cover next? Okay, mm -hmm. we've done Polaroid, Pentax, Leica, Canon, Nikon, and now Roly. Did I leave anything out? Olympus. We did Olympus. Olympus. As well. Yes, yes, yes. We did Olympus. What do you want us to do next? Tell us. And that. Oh my gosh. That brings to a close. Oh my goodness. Our forty-fourth <laughs> episode. Forty-four-ish. Yes. <laughs> we went straight from forty-two and a half to forty-four. <laughs> exactly. Uh, any final thoughts, Gabe, before we wrap this up? You know, I'm very excited about people getting into TLRs. Yeah. I really have to tell you that. I just think it's a different way of shooting. It's a break from an SLR. And they make, there's all kinds of, there's Yashica, there's Minolta. There's, yes. You'll, you'll, they're out there. They are not that expensive. You don't have to have a Roloflex. It's the experience of shooting you know, on that ground glass. And there's many, many versions. Uh, yesterday when I was at the Venice Skate Park, there was someone with a Voigtlander. Minolta, TLR, auto cords. Yep, Those are great. Right, the auto cords. They're all great. So 
please get out there and find yeah, one or at least try one. We have not talked a lot about TLR shooting on here, and I want right. to get a little more into it. So let's hear from you guys. As we said, you can email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com. You can also visit idreamofcameras.com for all your iDream of Cameras needs. Leave us a review on iTunes, guys. That's where we want please. your praise. Also, please. you can follow us, I Dream of Cameras on Instagram. Gabe is Gabe Sachs on Instagram. I am S. Jeff Greenstein. Now, I have routinely been new saying- New info, new yeah, info, new ladies and gentlemen. Okay. You know, I just tossed this off because I said, because Jeff Greenstein is embezzler. I want to just take a beat and explain <laughs> what I meant. There yeah. is a guy named Jeff Greenstein who is also a bald, vaguely Jewy looking guy who was sentenced <laughs> to four years in prison in January of 2011 for scamming Oh my God, he and a friend ran a fraudulent tax avoidance scheme. The estimated tax loss from the scheme was a quarter of a billion dollars. Oh my gosh. And upon his release from prison, he began reinventing himself as a philanthropist and spending his way up the Google search results, which annoys me. (laughs) Yeah. So from now on, I'm going to say... I am S. Jeff Greenstein on the Instagram because Jeff Greenstein is a tax fraud felon. Yes. <laughs> details. 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 All right. So thank good. you to who are our thank yous? Oh, we have to thank Keith Greenstein. You may know him and be familiar with his work. Uh, he has given us a great look. You can buy merch that he's designed on our website, idreamwithcameras.com. Also, the amazing Fred Corey, who has given us a sound and also has scored some of our emails. That's correct. And and there are more. There is more. There are more sounds we have in that yeah. library that Fred has Completely. given to us. Yes, that we are going to use in the future. So stay tuned for that. All right, Gabe, walk us out of here, guys and gals. Please go out there and give yourselves an assignment. Go out there and shoot something, like have some ideas and throw them around, meet up with friends that are shooting cameras and and just give yourself kind of a theme or an assignment to shoot and see what happens. I think it's a great idea and I think like is onto something, you know? 